This is a CBC Podcast. Well, impasse and bargaining between teachers and the government is coming to a head. Next week, teachers are taking job action by holding a one-day strike on Tuesday. While that's happening, lawyers for the province were back in court this week discussing the government's naming and pronoun policy. For more of it, more on all of this, we've reached this week's political panel. Murray Madrick writes a political column for the Regina Leader Post. We're also joined this week by Jeremy Symes, who covers the legislature for the Canadian Press. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning. Good morning, Murray. Hey, good morning. So, Jeremy, we found out yesterday that the STF announced a one-day strike. What is the Federation saying, and what's been the government's response? Yeah, absolutely. So, the STF and the government have been at this impasse uh, for months now, and they announced yesterday that they are going to go on a one-day strike on Tuesday. Um, STF President Samantha Beacott says, you know, uh, they don't want to be doing this. This is... um, They want education for students. They They don't want to affect the school year, but they have exhausted every option um, to get the government at the bargaining table. So what the SDF is asking for is the government to come to the negotiating table to talk about classroom sizes and classroom complexity. Um, and they're, and she's saying that um, by giving this five days notice, um, this will give the government some time to, to think about it. And maybe they can come back to the table, talk about classroom complexity and classroom sizes. And if they, want, if they do that, then this planned strike will stop. Um, Education Minister Jeremy Cockrell says uh, these issues should be out- addressed outside the bargaining process, these issues of classroom sizes and classroom complexities. Um, he says a strike is not in the best interest of students. So the province has proposed a wage increase for teachers of 7% over the next three years. And it's also announced some pilot projects to announce this classroom complexity and size issues. So, Murray, this is something we've kind of been, we kind of saw coming uh, for a long time, and now it's coming to a head. What do you make of this latest development? Well, I just wish the government would be forthright and honest. As Jeremy says, if this is about classroom size and complexities, well, guess what? It's complex. And maybe the government can't within the structure of a contract where we don't know how many more teachers might be needed, where we don't know how many support staff, which wouldn't be part of this contract, by the way, because many of the support staff that I think STF is asking for wouldn't even be STF members. It is complex and it is difficult. And maybe a responsible government has to sit back and say, well, that's not cost efficient. It's not responsible to basically say, we're not talking about this because they have not been not talking about this for a long time. Instead, they were putting up billboards this summer saying it was about wages, which actually irritated and aggravated the teachers. We're going to get into the pronoun bill again. And I strongly suspect that some of the messaging, at least in terms of the pronoun bill, the whole notion of it's parental rights and parental uh, no best and maybe teachers are keeping information from you is flowing over into this particular debate and making the teachers that much more angry and frustrated and upset. So the inevitability that we've come to this point isn't terribly surprising. Of course, we're going to. I don't think we had to. I think a little bit more of a forthright and honest conversation would help. It would help the government because the narrative with the government that people are seeing is we've had one uh, minister, that uh, education minister, that sends his kids to Christian schools. We've seen to have a na- another new uh, education minister in Jeremy uh, uh, Cockrell that leads that way. Obviously, there's suspicions on the part of teachers and the public. There's no trust here. Uh, it, it's, it's become a very difficult situation. A little forthright honesty on the part of the government would go a long way, but they're choosing not to do that. And so we're in the mess we are in. 
Just days before uh, we got this announcement from the STF, the government announced a couple of programs for K-12. They say they will address some classroom issues. What are they, Jeremy? Yeah, so the first pilot program is for a new specialized support classroom. So the government's going to spend $3.6 million on this. It's a pilot program, so it's going to be available in eight school divisions, so eight schools and mostly in urban areas, and it's going to go for the next 18 months. What these specialized support classrooms are, are these um, separate classrooms that are available for 15, they can hold 15 students, um, and these are students with behavioral issues. So if they have those in their regular classroom, they can get pulled out, go into the specialized classroom, and there'll be a teacher there, and there'll also be an educational assistant. And so the government says this will help kids address their behavioral issues there, but it'll also free up time for teachers in the regular classrooms to focus on what they like to do, which is teach and educate children. So that's the first uh, pilot. There's a second one, and it's an innovation fund for teachers. So Teachers can apply directly to the government. They can get up to $75,000, and they just have to pitch to the government what they would do with that money um, to address maybe classroom issues, complexity, things like that. And then if they get that money, they can address those issues. That fund will be available until June 2025, um, and these are pilot programs, so um, they're temporary, but the government will review them um, after they're over. Now, the STF says, you know, this is a start, but the government needs to do a bit more and make this more of a permanent thing to address these issues. And Marie, is this an attempt to get around the negotiating of the classroom size and complexity by offering some of these programs at the 11th hour right before this strike? What, what do you make of that? Well, you're a basketball guy, so I'm going to explain you a football term. Hail, okay. Mary. <laughs> Hail Mary's when they throw it through uh, to the engine, last bit, last ditched attempt to win the game. This isn't even really that kind of Hail Mary. It's to throw it over the end zone just to pretend that you did. And I think this is the problem with uh, what the government is doing right now. If they were serious about this pilot project, and as described by Jeremy, it, it, it seems like a great idea. Why isn't it started at the start of this particular school year? Why did you not propose this this summer when, oh, by the way, you actually had money uh, left over in the budget because at that particular time, you didn't know you had went from a billion-dollar deficit to – or perhaps surplus to a $250 million deficit. Uh, if the, the government was serious about wanting to move this forward, they they would have done so by now. I don't think this is – it's a start. I don't think it's, it's, it's a great particular solution, but it's the kind of thing that we – that government Government and teachers should have been talking about long ago and maybe would have moved this forward. For whatever reason, the government chose to do this now. And I don't think that has much credibility other than the fact they can go to their own people and say, see the wondrous things we put forward to uh, the teachers and they still reject us anyway. It obviously must be just about money to them. And so that's just going to infuriate and anger teachers even more by doing it in the last minute, I, I'm sorry to say, uh, because it, it, it places it that much more in the political realm. From the classroom to the courtroom, and Jeremy, you've been covering uh, arguments. Uh, we're still talking about the pronoun naming policy. Lawyers for UR Pride are back in court arguing that the, the, the they should go forward. It should continue. The government saying the opposite. We should throw this out. What do you make? Of, what did you make of the last couple of days of arguments? Right. So yeah, that we've been in court for the past two days. Um, the government wants to throw out this. The this is UR Pride uh, proceeding with their legal challenge, and Justice Mike McGaugh is hearing it. There's a few things that stood out to me. Um, so the 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 UR Pride's lawyers are arguing that 
the government in its legislation, they used, they applied the notwithstanding clause to section 7 and 15 of the charter. So your pride is coming and saying, well, they did not apply it to section 12. So let's argue based on section 12 alone and say this law violates the rights of gender diverse youth based on section 12. The government obviously disagrees with that. They say the notwithstanding clause is a trump card. It overrides everything. So this is why you justice should throw this out and we should end it here. There was another thing that stood out to me with your pride. So they came forward saying, you know, Justice, you can make a declaration. You can say this law violates the rights of gender diverse youth. This wouldn't change anything. This wouldn't change the law or make it uh, the government stop. But this declaration, they, your pride says, would matter to gender diverse youth. It would send them a message that their rights matter. Um, there was a little interesting back and forth I, I thought was interesting between um, uh, the two sides. The government lawyers are arguing the pronoun law is good for gender diverse youth, while your pride obviously disagrees with that. They say it's it's harmful. But Justice McGaw was saying, you know, today what I'm trying to decide is it's not whether this is about parental consent or not. Um, I'm looking at the kid who's at risk of abuse and what do we do with this kid who needs a trusted adult to talk to and they can't find one? So that's what I'm really here to talk about and how, how we can um, help them. So he reserved his decision on this. He's going to come back at a later date in a written decision. Um, we're thinking in the next few weeks, maybe it could be a month, but he will decide whether this thing moves forward. Ben Murray, your newspaper had a story about letters and emails from the government received after it announced the policy in August. Would that correspondence show, and what is your reaction to seeing some of those that information? Well, you're familiar with this because you were covering it at the time, but for those that, that aren't, the frustrating aspect is we've never gotten a proper explanation as to the reasons for proceeding with Bill 137. Uh, we were told that there was tens of thousands and every uh, people raising concerns and every MLA had constituents raising concerns specifically related to an issue that they were encountering. We talked to MLAs. We talked to other people who can't cite one single example. Then there was the whole issue of these 18 letters. What uh, my colleague uh, uh, Larissa uh, Kurtz did after the government says, well, we may, may have only got a, 18 letters, but we got a whole bunch of strong reaction, positive reaction, co strong correspondence supporting our bill immediately after. So my, my colleague Larissa Kurtz basically put in an FOI saying, okay, well, what was that? She got back 75 letters, two-thirds of which basically said, this is a really dopey policy and uh, and here's any number of reasons why it won't work. And once again, it contradicts the government narrative. And so we get this information coming out in dribs and drabs. And I guess the reason it's coming out uh, in dribs and drabs is because it never seems to be particularly favorable for the government. And this is just one more example of why there is Apple ample reason to question what their motivations were for doing this. I think their motivations for doing this is they love the term parental rights. I don't think it's a particularly helpful term. We're seeing it in the teachers' negotiation because I think there's a background here where they tried to use the term maybe to somewhat vilify teachers because they were overriding parental rights by keeping this information from, uh, from parents, which is 
clearly not the case. Most teachers want to work with parents. They're just on the rare occasions where kids are scared and they don't know how to handle and address their parents uh, because their parents aren't receptive to uh, whatever they're going through. There's no sense of cooperation and, and willingness to work. It comes out in terms of how they handle the pronoun bill and it leaks into other things like we're seeing in education right now. And I don't know why the government is in a way to this other than the fact they must think it's polling really well for them. Thanks, Murray. Thanks, Jeremy. You're very welcome. Thank you. Murray Magic writes a political column in the Regina Leader Post. Jeremy Symes covers the legislature in Saskatchewan for the Canadian press. If you want to engage in this, you can send us an email, morningedition at cbc.ca, or call us on TalkBack. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.